Welcome to another episode of Saints Edified. I'm your host, Arturo, and I want to thank you once again for tuning in. Now, today we continue our series of scriptures, and we are now in part two. And today's episode is called Scripture is Inspired. So we're going to focus a lot on the inspiration of scripture, and but we're also going to focus a little bit on the Apocrypha and, and why we don't accept that as scripture. So um, but before we begin that, I want to give you guys a, just a quick update. Uh, for one, I just want to remind you guys once again, if you guys want to support, please do so at patreon.com slash saintsedified. Also, I've been working a little bit on some merchandise um, on the website. Uh, right now, I'm still testing out some designs, but so you might see some designs up for a little while and then removed. It's only because right now I'm testing out the platform. But if you happen to see one that you like and, and then later on it's not there anymore, just let me know. So you, can, you can shoot me an email or message and I'll see what I can do about that. But, uh, but yeah, feel free to check it out. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to have a store with quality stuff, guys. And also where it's not too expensive. There's a little bit of profit, but not much. Um, really, my, my, my main concern is to help you guys uh, spread the gospel, start, start conversation with non-believers, and then edify others. So hopefully... That merchandise helps you do that. Um, also, too, I'm I just recently got involved with a ministry on Facebook. It's called uh, Reformation California, and we'll be doing podcasts as well. If you are a believer in California and you're interested in Reformed theology, then feel free to reach out to me, and um, and I can find you on Facebook and and, and add you to the group as well. Uh, right there, it's just a it's, a, it's mainly a, a network where we support each other here in California. And, uh, and hopefully it, it continues to grow. So, and I believe that's all I have for you guys. So I'm going to go ahead and continue our, our series here. So we'll be reading from the Westminster Confession, chapter one, sections two and three. Okay, so let's start in section two. Under the name of Holy Scripture, or the Word of God written, are now contained all the books of the Old and New Testaments, which are these. And this is where the confession lays out all the books of the Bible. Um, and it continues, All which are given by inspiration of God to be the rule of faith and life. Section 3. The books commonly called Apocrypha, not being of divine inspiration, are no part of the canon of Scripture, and therefore are of no authority in the Church of God, nor to be any otherwise approved or made use of other than human writings all right so overall we're going to cover two points mainly and the first one is going to be scripture is inspired and the rule of faith in life second point is going to be the apocrypha is not inspired and has no authority in the church of god so that's kind of more more or less of what we're going to cover today uh, but before we start i just want to firstly i want i want us to notice how the confession makes the point that scripture is holy we can read it right there under the name of holy scriptures or the word of god written right it's it's making a point that it's holy there is no other book in the world like the bible the bible stands out from all of the books ever written when we talk about the bible we are not talking about a mere book about of of religion like any other religious textbook no we are talking about the word of god the creator the creator of all things okay this is his word Let's talk about some of the things that make the Bible holy, right? Because holy just means to be set apart, to be unique, right? And that's going to be the first point that we're going to cover in this episode. 
scripture is inspired right and the rule of faith in life so uh, let's quickly cover how scripture is the rule of faith and life first and then we're going to cover how it's inspired so this part will be very quick uh, basically scripture reveals the will of god like we talked about last time right in nature all we see all we can see and and know about god is some of his attributes and that there is a creator and he's a provider and sustainer but scripture reveals his will what he wants from us right it teaches us what to believe what to teach how to live etc and we'll cover more about this in a moment but um also too paul wrote to not go beyond what is written and this was in first corinthians chapter 4 verse 6. so in other words scripture is a standard therefore we can argue that scripture is authoritative when it comes to what we believe and practice as as christians the bible scripture commands us what to believe and obey it's authoritative in that sense but why should we assume it's authoritative or, or in other words why why should we even bow down to it why can't the commands in scripture be one of the many options we have today for religious practice and faith why scripture why the bible why not the quran why not the book of mormon or these other or, or these other or these other religious books why scripture again because scripture is holy why is it holy why does it stand out because it's not merely human writings these other books the quran and the book of mormon those are merely human writings the bible scripture is the word of god and scripture is inspired so let's talk about that word inspired because that's going to be a huge chunk of what we're going to talk about today um, so we can read in first sorry second timothy second timothy 3 16 and this is from the king james version all scripture is given by inspiration of god and is profitable for doctrine for reproof for correction for instruction in righteousness you might see that it says um, that scripture is inspired by god or it, or is given by inspiration of god so i read from the king james version other english versions might, might say inspired by god uh, so it's this truth though that makes all scripture holy because it's inspired by god there's no other book like this in the world but what does it mean to be inspired okay and just think about this for a second if someone asked you hey what does the bible mean by inspired because when i think of inspired i think about being motivated or being influenced by someone like hey that person that person inspired me to be an engineer or that or this person motivated me to to finish to finish my classes you know or, or, or something like that right is that what we think about scripture that the apostles and prophets were just motivated by god or influenced by god in some way and they just went ahead and and started writing <laughs> and 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 for this reason guys it's, it's it's this reason why i think the english word is not is not sufficient uh, the, the the word itself inspired may have been uh the wrong choice i believe we'll cover that in just a minute um you can do a quick search online if you go to biblehub.com and type in second timothy second timothy 316 you'll notice that the majority of, of english translations use inspired or inspiration right but here's my question is that really the best translation so we have to define inspired or inspiration okay and a quick search on online it'll give you it'll give you this kind of definition that it means to be aroused or animated or imbued with the spirit to do something <laughs> Um, as if by supernatural or divine influence 
that, that's kind of what we see as being inspired, right? When someone inspires us, it, it influences us to do something, right? But this seems to be like a more, more of a modern definition. It doesn't necessarily tell us what this word meant back in the day, right? And just keep in mind that the word inspired is from the 15th century. The, the King James Version was written in the 17th century. So I wanna know what did it mean back then originally? And the way how you find that out is if we look at the the etymology of the word or the or the origin of the word for inspire and we can see two words in it okay in latin uh the first part is in right and that just means in or into pretty simple the, the second part spire right that means breathe so inspire literally means breathe in or into so to breathe in that's what it literally means to breathe in this is why one of the earliest definitions of inspire is inhale. So that's the earliest definition we have. And, and the most literal meaning we have for inspire is to inhale. Okay. So it doesn't mean influence. It doesn't mean motiv motivated. It means inhale. Well, when we look at that passage in scripture, we have to wonder what did Paul mean? So at least now we have an understanding of the English word inspire, but what's more important is the original language the, the language that paul used what did paul mean and and he wrote in koine greek so the the greek word in that passage is theonostos and that word theonostos has two root words in it okay the first part is theos which means god and the second part is nail which means breathe but here's the thing if you actually go ahead and look at all the other passages where that root word is used, it's implying breathing out, okay? It's, it's typically being referred to as the wind, blowing, okay? So every use of neo is referring to wind blowing. It's, and it, it never refers to something or someone inhaling. So literally that word, dianostas, based off the root words, it literally means God blow or God breathe out, okay? now. Compare inspire, which means breathe in or inhale, to theonostas, which means breathe out or God breathe out. Those are two different understandings of the same Greek word. And theologians have debated this back and forth for a long time. I'm actually inclined to believe that the Greek strongly implies breathing out, like when someone is talking. When you speak, you're not inhaling, right? You're exhaling. Okay, so I think the ESV the English Standard Version captures this, and we'll read it here. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training righteousness. Okay, so notice how the ESV actually captures that. It says it, it says that scripture is breathed out by God. And what this means, and what this actually implies, is that when we read scripture, it's like God is actually speaking out to us. God speaks to his church, to his people through his word. So whenever someone asks you, does God talk to you? You say yes, and you point to the Bible. God talks to us through his word. He's breathing out to us his word. When you are reading your, your morning devotionals and the word of God, God is speaking to you. When you are comforted by his word, and that happens to all of us, right? When we read scripture and we're comforted, 
That's because God is speaking to us. When your pastor is reading the word to the church, that's actually God speaking to his church. And, and we can see this clearly in scripture. In, in, in 1 Thessalonians 2.13, it says this. This is Paul writing. And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as, hu as a human word, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. The early church took the writings and words of Paul Whenever Paul was addressing them, it took it as God's word. Okay, not just as merely human word, but as God's word, and that, and that falls hand in hand with how we understand Second Timothy three sixteen that all Scripture is breathed out by God. Now, many have tried to extend that authority, right? Because if 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 the Bible is God's word. And it's sufficient for all things. It's sufficient for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. If it is sufficient and authoritative in that way, and it's inspired by God, meaning that it's breathed out by God, then, then, that, then that makes sense on how Scripture is our rule of faith and, 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 and life, right? And how, It makes sense why we should obey it, right? But there's been many others in the past who have tried to extend that authority to other books outside of Scripture. This is where the Confession in section 3 states that the books commonly known as Apocrypha are not inspired, part of the canon of scripture, and have no authority in the church. Now, I decided to not spend too much time on this section, and it was very last minute because I was actually going to spend more time on the Apocrypha, but since this series is about scripture and, and what it is, I do not want to focus so much on what it's not. So I'll be brief and I'll answer a few questions back to back. I'll also, I'll link quite a few resources in the description and the show notes. So feel free to check that out if, if, if you guys really want to uh, dig deeper on your own. First question will be, can you explain why we have the, the 66 books of the Bible and why not others? And then second question is going to be, can you explain why the Apocrypha or other writings? Okay, so not just the Apocrypha, but any other writings aren't in the Bible. Um, and hopefully with those two questions, I'll be able to cover, I guess, some of the things that I think you should know about the Apocrypha and some of, the, and some of our defenses. But yeah, so, so let's get to it. Can you explain why we have the 66 books of the Bible and why not others? Okay, so for one, the Old Testament. Um, the, I think the Old Testament is not really debated very much. However, the Catholic Church and, and their, and their um, Apocryphal writings they want to add on to the Old Testament, so it's important to actually address this. So for one, Jesus did not appeal to the Apocrypha as scripture, nor did he recognize them as such. Okay, and I will link articles uh, with more information on um, in the description, so please check that out. But yeah, you never see Jesus appealing to any Apocryphal books, so I think that's a major point. Um, and secondly, we have the same Old Testament canon as the Jews, as the Jews did which includes the law, prophets, and writings. You can do a quick search on this, and I'll, again, I'll provide links in the description. There's enough evidence for us to believe that the Old Testament that we have today is the same one that the Jews had. It was organized differently, and some books were combined, but as far as the contents go, it's the same thing. And um, so that's the, uh, the Old Testament, and we will cover more about this in, in, in our next question. Now let's talk about the New Testament. 
Um, how can we be sure that the New Testament books are accurate and what if there's more or less? So, so here's the thing. All New Testament writings are from the first century. It's the earliest we have. So we have eyewitnesses and apostleship. So apostles were sent by Christ himself. And, 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 these, are, and these are the writings that we have. We, we have writings from the apostles, or at, least, or, or at least those who were writing on the behalf of the apostles directly. Okay, and this could be, uh, you know, a case could be made for Hebrews, for example. Hebrews 2.3 um, implies that, that this information came from the apostles. Um, also to uh, Luke, right? The Gospel of Luke and, and the Book of Acts. Clearly, Luke had a lot of information because he was closely connected with the apostles. And, and not only that, but Peter recognized, I'm sorry, Paul recognized uh, Luke's Gospel as Scripture in, in 1 Timothy 5.18. So even within scripture, you have scripture affirming other scripture, right? Um, Peter recognized Paul's writing as scripture in 2 Peter 3.15 and 16. Um, you, get, you see how he refers to Paul's writing as scripture. Those points alone, right? Hebrews, uh, the Gospel of Luke, Acts, and Paul's writings, right? That's at least 17 letters so far in the New Testament that we can account for pretty easily. What about the rest, okay? Paul acknowledges the role of apostleship to be similar, if not the same as the Old Testament prophets for the church in Ephesians 2.20. God used the prophets to speak to his people, right? So, so we know that about the prophets. God used the prophets to speak to his people. That's exactly what we have in the Old Testament. Now, according to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20, apostles have that same foundational role for the church while Christ is the cornerstone. And this explains why the writings of Matthew, Mark, John, Peter, and Jude are also recognized as scripture. And, and when we consider all that information, we now accounted for all the New Testament books. And not only that, but like I said earlier, we, 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 we talked about the, the Old Testament writings, right? So that's a total of 66 books that we have in the Bible. And we can even see how within scripture, scripture affirms itself. It's self-authenticating, which we will talk about in the next episode. But for now, we'll just leave it at that. Um, scripture itself authenticates itself, and we can clearly see why these books are considered to be scripture and why the early church accepted them as scripture. So, second question: Can you explain why the apocrypha or other writings aren't in the Bible? And I include other writings because there are other writings that that uh, that people want to believe are on the same level as the rest of scripture and, and they're not um a lot, a lot of these writings are like the gospel of uh the gospel of uh, thomas for example or uh, I'm, I'm not going to spend much time naming those off but but i want to answer those questions quickly okay so for one jesus did not see them as an authority like he did with the law prophet and old testament writings there's no evidence for it that dismisses any of the Apocrypha books written between the Old Testament and the time of Jesus' birth. Okay, So in other words, we would see at least Jesus appealing to these things as an authority. The way how he did it with the laws, the prophets, right, and the writings of the Old Testament. Jesus, Jesus appealed to these things as an authority, as scripture, and none of it included the Apocrypha. So that right there actually tells us a lot that the Apocrypha does not belong to the Old Testament canon or to the Old Testament writings. 
And the second point is that all other writings are not dated within the first centuries. Again, other writings that were found later on that some people are trying to include into the, into the New Testament, they're not dated within the first century. They were not written by eyewitnesses or the apostles. Okay, and, and there's evidence for that. The, the, um, scholars have not accepted those things. Scholars have not accepted those writings to be um, from the apostles or within the first century. So that's why we don't accept them. The Jews never recognized the Apocrypha as scripture. And that's the third point. And I think that's a huge point too. Um, check out what Romans chapter 3 verse 1 and 2 says. Then what advantage has a Jew? Or what is the value of circumcision? Much in every way. To begin with, the Jews were entrusted with the oracles of God. Okay, so that's Romans chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. The Jews, they knew who and which writings were inspired and considered as scripture. And, and this is why I said earlier that we, we had the same Old Testament uh, writings as a Jew. And what's interesting about all this is that the Apocrypha wasn't even recognized as scripture by the Catholic Church until 1546. I mean, that's 1,500 years of church history that no one knew these books were scripture. It wasn't until the Catholic Church declared it. And unfortunately, it's, it's not too difficult to find out why, why they did this. Uh, once, once you begin talking to some of the, once you begin talking to Catholics and, and try to share the gospel with them, you'll quickly notice how they're going to appeal to the Apocrypha for some of their false teachings. And unfortunately, it's, it's a very sad reality that many have given in, many have given into these false things. However, by God's grace, he raised up many men in the past to fight and even die for the truth. Thank God for the Protestant Reformation. Now we can have a clear conscience of what God wills for us since we have his holy, inspired, authoritative word. God is faithful, friends. Well, I'm afraid I'm running out of time. There's so much more. Uh, there's so much more to dissect here, uh, but I do encourage you guys to check out the Saints Edified YouTube channel and look up the recent interview I had with Austin Rifle. He's the host of Sip Sipping on Theology. We discussed the Canon and Sola Scriptura, and the Canon is something I, I really wanted to talk about more on this episode. But I kind of knew I was going to be pressed on time here, so um, I want to reference you guys to that interview or that discussion that we had. And I'm sure that video is going to edify you guys and, you know, and just to get, kind of give you a little heads up of what we talk about in that video. Uh, we actually talk about how and why the early Christians recognized scripture, okay? And how the church already had a good idea of what was considered scripture way before the Roman councils. Catholics like to give themselves credit for giving the world the Bible when really that wasn't the case. It was way before almost a century, actually more than a century before uh, the Roman councils that the church already had a good idea of what was the New Testament. So next time we'll cover Sola Scriptura and the self-authenticating nature of Scripture. Don't forget to join us at the Roundtable, Christian Discussion and Debate. It's our Facebook group where we talk about theology and just about anything. <laughs> um, and we welcome non-believers as well. And, 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 and we aim to have a fruitful, edifying discussion. Uh, follow us on our social media platforms uh, like Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and subscribe to us on YouTube. And once again, friends, I, I really do encourage those of you who, do, who support. Uh, one way to support us is going to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Please 
please check it out and um, whether you can give a dollar a month or ten dollars twenty however whatever the lord puts on your heart to give um, i'll be forever thankful uh, also again check out our merchandise on saintsetify.com so all right friends that's all i have for you until next time sola de gloria